as we one two one two as we transition into the radio phase of our program we would like to welcome our KKVV listening audience here from the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church located at 1720 North J Street today we have a special program we are having a symposium on true education, true education. Before we go into our symposium today, we will have another special from our children's choir, followed by our symposium on true education. If you'd like a copy of this special program, you may call us at 647 26 27 at 702-647-2627 or you may join us for a rebroadcast online at www.abundantlifelv.org may god bless you
Amen. Thank you to our children's choir, and to their leaders. Again, I want to say that at Abundant Life, our children are our most precious commodity, our most important mission, and our most urgent priority. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to give of our funds for the cause that has been targeted. And we thank thee for these precious younger ones for whom we pray and to whose future we contribute by our sacrifice today. Now, as we go further into spiritual meditation, examining the principles of education as outlined in your word from the pen of inspiration of your prophet, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict us, convince and convict us, and empower us to do your will. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. To our congregation and to our listening audience, again, a hearty welcome to a very special day. A day when we have, as a church, along with our guests, featured or are featuring Christian education. And we have chosen to title our conversation, Christian Education, Our Most Important Mission. I wonder if the congregation would be willing to say that with me. Christian Education, Our Most Important Mission. And that is true. Our most important mission, brothers and sisters, is not the unsaved in the community. We work for them. We work and we give to that. It's not the non-believer overseas somewhere and we do give mission for that. It's not the building, it's not the equipment, it's not one another. Our most important mission is the youth of our families, the youth of our church, and more specifically, educating them in Christian principles. So today, I have invited the following individuals to join me in a discussion that I'm sure will be enlightening and inspiring. And the first one to be seated will be our own Pastor Russell Lee Wars. He may join us now at the table. Pastor Lee Wars is born in Jamaica, in Kingston, Jamaica. He is one of four children, the only male of the four. He became a Sabbath keeper at age 20 and went to graduate school at Northern Caribbean University where he studied the ministry after which he went on to further, after completing undergraduate at Northern Caribbean, went to graduate school at Andrews University. He is a scholarly minister 
those of us who have heard him over and over again know that he is a student of the word and he is one of those who will be helping us to explore our subject today. He's been here with us at Abundant Life now for about a year and three or four months. And you know that uh, he's married since then and you've heard his good wife and we're, we're pleased to have him as a part of our family. The next person who will join us at the table is our own Deborah Kowicki. Deborah is originally from Detroit, Michigan, is a proud um, third generation Seventh-day Adventist. She attended Frank L. Peterson Academy when she was a child. I baptized her when she was age 12 and I'm proud of her and the fact that she has remained faithful in the church. She received her Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration at Western Michigan University and a Master's of Education at Regis University and is currently working on another Master's in Education Leadership there. She has two daughters Samantha and Stacy. Samantha is with us today. Stacy is studying at Oakwood, both of whom have received their education in Adventist schools. Samantha is a Bachelor of Science in Nursing, and Stacy will be finishing Oakwood in the not too distant future and hopes to become a physician and is looking to matriculate at Loma Linda University. Uh, the third person on our panel is Brother Merrill Bradley. Brother Bradley was born in Kansas and is the youngest of six children. He grew up in Boulder, Colorado, not too far away, where he attended Adventist schools through grade nine and then went on to Tennessee again in Adventist education to finish his high school. He's married to Leoloni Johnson, the former Leoni Johnson, and they have um, three children. He studied at Southern Missionary College for four and a half years. Since then, he has been dean of boys at uh, our schools, and he has studied not only in Adventist schools, he's taken education to support his Adventist studies elsewhere, but it's been mainly in Adventist schools where he received his training. And he is now, with all that rich background of dean of men at our boarding schools and principal, that kind of thing, he's teaching here at Las Vegas Junior Academy on the corner of Jones and Oakey and much beloved there. I think his wife, Sister Bradley, is here. Would you raise your hand, Sister Bradley? Some may not know you. Stand for us, please. The congregation can see you. Thank you for being present with us in our discussion today. So that these individuals have been assigned uh, specific areas for commentary. And after they have each made their presentation, they will converse among each other and I will serve as facilitator and moderator. But before they begin, let me read you a scripture in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. Isaiah 54, 13, if you have your Bibles, you might turn because here we have the foundation of it all. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 13 which reads, 
All your children. How many children? All. All your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace thereof. All your children shall be taught by or of the Lord, some scriptures, some renditions say, and great shall be the peace of your children. When we talk about Christian education, brothers and sisters, we have to go way back to the time of Israel when the formal schools were begun by none other than the prophet Samuel. Samuel was the founder, and Ellen White calls him the president, actually, of the original schools of the prophets. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 663, she writes, when Samuel died, the nation had lost the founder and president of its sacred schools. After Samuel died, there was an apostasy in Israel when Christian education began to die out. But along came two other people used by God in a special way. One Elijah and the other Elisha. And these two individuals, first Elijah the fiery prophet and then Elisha the man with the cool disposition. I don't know if you want to say McCain and Obama or not. But one was fiery and one was cool and they worked together the fiery Elisha and the cool and peaceful temperamental or man of temperament who was Elisha and they built the schools back up again one in Bethel one in Gilgal one in Jericho one with Kirja Jerem another in Ramah another in Samaria there were six church schools that were operated by Elijah and later conducted by Elisha and of course, many of the great people of Israel went to these church schools. Ezra was one, Samuel himself, and many others of great leaders of the word attended the schools. And the Seventh-day Adventist church, when it was born in 1844, did not last very long without beginning its church school system. In 1853, in Bucksbridge, New York, the first church school was begun, just nine years after the prophetic date. In 1857, in Battle Creek, Michigan, the second church school was begun. And in 1875, the first college, the first Seventh-day Adventist college was started. Today, we have schools and colleges scattered around the world. Today, in Seventh-day Adventism, we have 1,479,136 students. We have 954,000 students in primary school, almost a million alone in primary schools. 
and 404,000 in secondary schools, and over 100,000 young people are attending our tertiary or college and university level institutions. Over 100,000. The Seventh-day Adventist church school system is the second largest church school system in the world, second only to the Catholic Church. We have 889 primary schools, 120 secondary schools in the United States alone, just in the US. And in the United States, we have 15 colleges and universities. And uh, all of these schools, these 15 universities, Oakwood, Loma Linda, Andrews, and all of these academies operate for one reason. That is to see to it that our young people have an opportunity for Christian education. Now, Christian education occupies the largest percentage of the world budget. Of all the world budget, which is nearly $200 million, approximately 20% of that budget goes to education. That's the largest chunk of the world budget of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now you say, those are global, those are big numbers, those are wide numbers. What about right here in Las Vegas? Well, right here in Las Vegas, we have a school. We have a school with over 70 students, a school that goes through grades one to eight, and we're pleased about that, but we're not satisfied. We want to do more. We have just a half a dozen or so students from our church who attend the school. We want to do more. And the object of our effort today and that which will be guiding primarily all of our decisions about whether we get another church building or whether we expand this one or whatever we do will hinge upon the important question of what do we do about the education of our youth. So in order to reinforce and in order to hopefully indelibly implant in our minds what Christian education means and also before we're finished to talk about how we can go about doing something to make it happen even in a better way we have these individuals who will build upon what I've already said and the first individual to present will be Pastor Lee Wars he will talk about the Bible the Bible as our very fundamental and very essential instrument for intellectual development. Pastor Lee Wars, talk to us about why it is that we need education that features the Word of God in the way that the church school does and how Christian education benefits from the study of the Word of God. First of all, I'd like to uh, preface this research uh, with, with a Bible text. And if you turn to your Bibles in Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, since I'm dealing with the Bible and mental development, 
I just wanted to lay the foundation for us this morning and the NIV version Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 tells us the Bible says Paul writing here says but indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ the Bible and mental development so I looked at the word and I saw what Paul meant and I said to myself well what about the world what are secular thinkers what are they saying about the Bible and mental development well I looked at some famous quotes and this one is from the Englishman Lord Tennyson and he says Bible reading is an education in itself. So this man is out there, you know, a secular thinker, all right? Then now I thought to myself, outside of Adventism, these are thinkers outside of Adventism, here is the German reformer Martin Luther. And he says, listen carefully, I am much afraid that schools will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the holy scriptures engraving them in the hearts of youth i advise no one to place his child where the scriptures do not reign paramount and that's a german reformer martin luther finally another thinker outside of adventism he says he says horace greeley he says it is impossible to enslave mentally or socially a Bible reading people. The principles of the Bible, he continues, are the groundwork of human freedom. No, for African Americans and for every human being, that's a telling tale, a telling quote. So I said to myself, this is what those thinkers outside of Advent, Adventism, that's their position. But this morning I said to myself, I said, I will look around church, I'll stand in the lobby, and I'll see how many of our Adventist people, how much they love their Bibles. Amen. 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 And so I sat there in the lobby and I counted, literally now, I counted 100 people. And this is my little statistics, all right? And I said, I counted 74 individuals who brought their Bibles. Amen? And of course, the minus of that did not have Bibles. Another troubling sign was that I saw that very few of the youth that didn't have Bibles, they were the ones that did not bring their Bibles to church. Alright, so that's my personal little, little testing there for this morning. But then I also look, looked at some statistics outside of Adventism and I found that, just laying the foundation here, I found that fewer than three out of ten fourth graders read at grade level. George Barner continues in the book Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions. He says, just one third of eighth graders are proficient in reading 
and only one quarter are proficient in writing and math. So of course he continues that uh, the Institutes of Health and National Association for Educational Progress discovered that poor reading skills are the harbinger of teen pregnancy, criminal activity, and poor academic achievement, and dropping out before high school graduation. So this man is looking at the statistics, and he says this is what he's seeing. And of course now, another one for us, he says, in the last decade, the last decade has revealed a trend in Americans' approach to the Bible. He says, according to the National Service conducted, in 1992, nearly half of all adults, 47%, read from the Bible during the week. And that figure went down 31% by 1995. And now in the 2000s, about 12%, he's speaking about Christians now, 12% of us who call ourselves Christians, this is his research, read our Bible in the week. 12%, so 12% of those of us, he's suggesting. He looked at 48 continental states, and he looked at the, eight, the range 18 years of age and older living within these 48 continental states. And of course, for those who are worried, you look at the percentage points of, of error, and he gathered that about a plus, plus or minus two percentage points at a 95% confidence level. In other words, that's what we are working with. Now, many people say that we don't believe in these statistics, but I believe that, as you mentioned, Dr. Rock, John McCain, Barack Obama, they believe in the Gallup poll. And if they believe in it, I believe that if we find the evidence that this is what's going on, we need to attend to it. So, what happens now, I say to myself, what are the benefits? Well, I went now to the book that most of us received here today. And what are the benefits of studying the word, of mental development? Ellen White says, in searching out the various parts, this is page 124, in searching out the various parts and studying their relationship, the highest faculties of the human mind are called into intense activity. No one can engage in such study without developing mental power. She goes on, the mind occupied with commonplace matters only becomes dwarfed and enfeebled if never tasked to comprehend grand and far-reaching truths it, after a, a time, loses the power of growth. And so I was moved by these uh, quotes by Ellen White. And so it is fitting only that not only are we seeing here, both in secular society, other thinkers out of Adventism, the fundamental issue here that all education, the queen of the sciences, falls upon or is taught out of the principles of the Bible. And that's how I'd like to end that section right now. Thank you, sir. Mrs. Kulagi. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I was given the task of addressing education and character building. And in the Seventh-day Adventist 
system or education system our main thing as opposed to schools of the world our main thing theme is to bring a restoration between man and god i once heard a saying that said if you are not as close to god as you once were guess who moved and i always took that to heart because we as a group our main focus is not the things of the world it is to bring ourselves in harmony with god and god's teachings another aspect of adventist education as related to character is that Adventist education promotes the concept that the Bible should be uh, the main textbook in all aspects of learning. In the Bible, you find philosophy. Look at the books of Psalms and, and Proverbs, Song of Solomon, um, history. Look at Genesis. and in science, how the world was made, evolution. We don't have to go looking for theories and, and mathematical types of um, reasons as to why this earth exists, why the sun uh, shines every morning, why the moon uh, comes up at night, why the stars twinkle. All we have to do is turn to the book of Genesis and it's right there. So what we have to do, and also one other aspect, I love history. And the historical aspect of the Bible, if you wanna, read, if you wanna go to the movies and watch uh, any of these historical things or supposedly historical things, all you have to do is turn into the Bible. You get more history and adventure than you could even imagine. The other uh, thing is Adventist education is designed to promote Christian character. In the last few weeks, all we've been hearing about on the news is the collapse of the world financial system, the stock market crashing, banks closing or being reorganized. Look at WAMU, one of the biggest banks in the country. And I'm reminded that, I was reminded that Sister White had a passage, I think, that deals with this directly when it talks about character building. And in the old book, not the one you have, the old um, book, Education, on page 260, it says, an intensity such as never before was seen in taking possession of the world, in amusement, in money making, in the contest for power, in the very struggle for existence. There is a terrible force that engrosses body and mind and soul. And we can see that with the golden parachutes. People are starving, yet the CEOs are, are making millions and millions of dollars, and it's all greed, and it 
relates to the idea of character. So the other thing I wanted to talk about as far as what Christian education fosters um, in character building is deportment. That's an old fashioned word, um, deportment and refinement. But what it does, the ideal classroom teaches self-respect, respect for the dignity of man, and a regard for every member of the human race. And the greed and the quest for power is a direct opposite of that. Um, the world promotes selfishness and I got mine, now you get yours. But we are to be teaching, let's all get it together. Let's all work together. And then another aspect of um, Christian character, character is just plain old courtesy. How many of you drive down the street, if you happen to move a little bit to someone's lane, they're blowing their horns, they're cursing, they're uh, flipping you off. It, it's the whole idea that we have lost just common courtesy for one another. And the Bible um, teaches, uh, and again, this is in Sisters, Sister White's um, writings is that education should depart a heaven-born dignity and sense of propriety. It gives a sweetness of disposition and a gentleness of manner that can never be equaled by the superficial polish of fashionable society. The Bible enjoins courtesy and its presence made illustrations of the unselfish spirit, the gentle grace, the winsome temper that characterizes true politeness. And finally, I wanted to talk about um, the true aspects, aspects of Christian education um, and character building should evolve around self-respect. And that self-respect should relate to how we treat each other, how we dress, how we put ourselves out to other people. And one thing that was said, and I don't mean to pick on the ladies, I'm one, of course, but that how we present ourselves, ladies, to the world is how they are going to treat us. So if we are provocative in our dress, then don't be mad if the boys or the men honk at you on the street and they say things that you find offensive. Let's don't give them a stick to crack our heads with. So let us um, conduct ourselves appropriately. And finally, Christian education treat, teaches us the true meaning of ideal Sabbath worship because we learn in Christian education that the Sabbath is the foundation. And if we learn to honor and respect God, worship him in the proper way, respect his Sabbath, then everything else will fall into place. Thank you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> yes. Good morning, church.
I was asked to talk about two things. The first one was what the school does for the church. The first thing I would like to mention is that it gives the children a superior education. So often we think of our schools as being inferior. But just last year they started a cognitive, uh, cognitive genesis uh, evaluation of our schools and they found when compared to public schools, other private schools and parochial schools that our schools scored higher than the average of those. And uh, I can testify that from my own classroom when students get through with my classroom they generally the majority of them are five plus years above grade level on their tests. Amen. And most students that come into my classroom from public schools are usually, their grades drop a letter grade, they say you give too much work, it's harder, and that has been consistent wherever I have been. Uh, I have taught all over the country, literally. When I came to Las Vegas, one of the things that struck me about the public school education system in particular was one of the most telling things about it is that, um, well, I've heard the commercials on TV that they're number one in high school dropouts. The second thing that I've noticed is that statistically, the teachers that teach in public schools, the smallest percentage of them from Las Vegas send their own kids to public schools. That tells you what they think of the school public school system. but. One of the things that we also have to offer to you as parents and to you as a church is uh, protection from the influences of the world. There's hardly a day goes by that you don't hear something about an incident of one, at one of the public schools. And does it happen at private schools? Yes, but not to the degree it does there. Uh, we do not have gang problems, drug problems. We also, in our system, do not have to worry about the teaching of secular humanism, where they're actually training our children to accept so many things that are not consistent with the Bible. We can also offer leadership qualities. Just a uh, couple of weeks ago, we took our 7th and 8th graders on a leadership preparation course, and they got to do things on low ropes and high ropes and different things to push them beyond what they think they can do. We didn't make them do anything that they absolutely couldn't do, but we pushed them beyond what they thought they could. And every child said that, yes, I did more than I thought I could. And that included getting up on cables that were suspended between poles and trees and jumping off of about a 30-foot pole to grab a chicken pushing themselves beyond what they thought they could, and we do the same in the classroom. Uh, I've had a couple of students just recently say, uh, well, they have to learn a memory verses, and there was one memory verse these two boys were struggling with, and one of them just kept saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, and it took him over two weeks of recesses, but he's done it, and he is uh, he and, the, well, the two boys are going to recite it in front of chapel this next Thursday. But they are pushed beyond what they think they can do. Also, uh, you have examples of, of leaders that you find uh, throughout society, but in our church itself. Most every 
pastor and teacher that I've met have gone through the Adventist school system. And uh, there are uh, judges, heart surgeons, different people that I know that have gone through our school system and they are making a difference in the world and in their community. The most important reason to send your child, though, to an Adventist school is for the spiritual development. Because every day we get to have worship. We get to teach Christianity throughout the curriculum, especially as it relates to history and science. And you, uh, while they are uh, exposed to evolution, it comes across very strong that creation is the foundation for all science, that it's from God. And it is so nice to be able to teach that and point it out every day in the classroom that there, uh, God is the foundation of all that we should be doing. And the per personal leadership with the students and being able to uh, challenge them on a frequent basis to give their lives to Christ, to spend their own private time in getting to know their Lord because dad and mom can't save them. Everyone is saved because of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's my privilege to be able to challenge them to do that five days a week, whereas those of you that teach in Sabbath school and the minister here in the church, you only get them one day a week. And that's only for a few hours. I get them for many hours, five days a week. And my influence and my example to them and my challenging of them, I know has an impact. I had a, a couple of boys, these same two boys that were uh, trying to learn this memory verse. I was sitting with them at recess while they were trying to learn it. And one of the other assignments that we've had is figuring out their own views on some of the things that the presidential candidates are running on and getting them to establish those views themselves. And when we talked about education, one of the boys, I asked him, uh, well, what, what are your views on education? And he said, they need to fire all the uh, public school teachers and get teachers like you. Teachers that push us and teachers that care. And <laughs> I, needless to say, that made my day. To know that a student in my school who I have as much trouble with as anyone in my classroom that is a boy that does misbehave and has discipline has acknowledged that he knows that I care about him. And that is one of the most important things that we have is teachers that care. That I know every one of my students individually and I challenge them to uh, do the right thing, to be honest and have good values. Uh, another thing it offers the church is it keeps the kids, the majority of them in school or in the church I should say because a value Genesis was done a few years ago and it found that well over 70% of those that go from through our schools through high school stay in the church and those that don't just the opposite is true over 70% leave the church so what does it give the church it gives you members it gives you people that are going to come and stay and support the church and be active members also teaches them to be good citizens of the world uh, not just this world, but the world to come. 
the spirit of prophecy tells us that that is part of my job as a teacher is to train children not just for this world but the world to come and we provide a good study environment a work environment one of the one of my favorite verses out of the book education that we have is the greatest want in the world is the want of men men who will not be bought or sold men who in their inmost souls are true and honest men who do not do not fear to call sin by its right name men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall and when you get a chance to help form young people to pursue those types of goals we look at our politics today and how many do you see of men with honor and integrity that are willing to stand for the truth though the heavens fall and that don't change their minds on different issues because of what group of people they're trying to get votes from to me that is part of the honor that I have as being a teacher is to raise kids in this kind of an atmosphere the thing about uh, what the church can do or for the school first of all send us your kids that's what we're all about is to help train your kids to work in partnership with the parents and also we need the financial support obviously if we had the per pupil money that the public schools have oh what we could do then we do a superior job now but if we had that money that the public schools get we could really really uh, shine we also help with facilities we need good and adequate facilities for our students most of our schools are not as good as many of the public schools because they get all of the public funding but even without those facilities we do a superior job and we also need your moral support the support of knowing that you as a church family are behind us and we need your trust to know that we are going to do the best job that uh, we can with your kids. Thank you very much, panel. You have introduced a lot of important things, but let me ask a question or two, and then you may have some questions of each other. Number one, uh, Pastor Lewars, you talked about the Bible and mental development. Uh, are you saying that the, the family can't do this? Do we have to send our, our students to a church school in order for the Bible to sharpen their minds? I know the, the, the Bible tells us, David says that I am wiser than all my teachers because I love thy commandments. It's a fact that, when, that the Bible is like a pencil sharpener. You stick your head in here and it sharpens your mind. The, the Bible uh, is the best book to develop perception and insight. The Bible will help you to pick a better husband or make a better choice for the husband or wife. The Bible sharpens our abilities to make decisions. We know that. Study of the Word of God develops the intellect. We know that. But why can't that happen at home? Why do I have to send my child to a church school? Can I do it in morning worship and evening worship? What is it about the church school that enhances that process? get another mic. Maybe we need another mic. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for the question. Well, it is true that parents, it's a hard task, 
uh, to train and to nurture the minds of our youth. And it is true also that you would agree that the time you have with your children are not comparable to that which the school system has with your child. In fact, most of the days are spent in the schools uh, by teachers, when you send them to public schools, by teachers who have no regard for God or the Word of God. And so, you know, like I could use myself as an example. The first time I set foot into an Adventist institution was at the age of 23. All those years before, I spent in public school. Having gone to a Seventh-day Adventist university, I found out, I learned, that the things, things worked differently. As a matter of fact, when you stay on the dorm, Mr. Chairman, three days in the week at 6.30 a.m., I had to wake up in the morning with my brothers on the floor, the dorm. And we would sing songs, Christian songs, and we would have worship three times per week. Now, thinking back, if I had gone to Christian schools uh, before, then I would have had a greater grasp on spiritual matters. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go to an Adventist institution to shorten your skills in the Bible, but it profits someone to go to an Adventist institution because you are more liable and, uh, to be uh, engaged in Christian studies, engaged in Bible studies, and engaged with wrestling the ethical issues that are found in the Bible. Very good. So what I think I hear you saying, and I hope you would agree with my analysis, my summary, is that even though you get these things at home, when you are before a teacher, and we know many public school teachers love the Lord. Yes. We know that there are Christian teachers. We yes. have many in this congregation. But the majority are not moved by the commandments of God or the principles that we understand. And the majority of the students come from homes where the values are contrary to the word of God. So that even if a child gets good things in the home, they stay all day in the school and things are said and done and the examples before them with the teachers counteract the very thing they learned that morning. So you read it in the morning, then during the day there's another influence and it, it serves to dilute. I think I get the point. Now, yes. Sister Kowicki, I'm going to go right the line, down the line. Uh, you talked about character. Do you have examples of students that you have taught who were bad actors? And, uh, well, let me ask you another question. How long have you been teaching? Um, off and on, maybe 13 years. 13 years? Well, that's long enough. Do you have any success stories? Or do you, Mr. Bradley? Uh, pastor Lee Wars is in another, another enterprise as a pastor, but as teachers. And right now, you're teaching where? I'm teaching in public school. In a public school. Mm -hmm. So you're molding lives there. But from your church school days or your public school education, the teaching, do you have examples of people that you know whose characters you've been able to influence and who are better off today? Last year, well, two years ago, I forget, I've been here, been back two years, oh my goodness. Um, one, two, one, two. 
Two years ago, I was teaching at North Shore Adventist School in, in Chicago on the north side. And we had a young man um, who in ninth grade was an alcoholic. And he was one of, he was one of my students and um, the principal fortunately was a person who really wanted to do something to affect the life of this young man and mom, she was about pulling her hair out because he was even bringing, unbeknownst to us, he was bringing alcohol in water bottles. He was drinking vodka out of water bottles. And, uh, and this is ninth grade. Well, when it was discovered, because he came back from lunch just drunk. He, I, I'm being honest with you, he was drunk. And it was obvious that he was. And the other students, you know how kids protect each other and you know they will not rat each other out no matter what. And um, the little girl he was dating finally came to me and said, you know, he's, he drinks every day. Well, we pulled him out of class, obviously, and we had a talk with him, and he wanted to get kicked out of school. He wanted it. But we prayed and we decided that we were going to keep him and none, we didn't um, call him out in class or treat him poorly. I mean, we did everything we could. And toward the end of the school year, we saw such a turnaround because he said, you love me, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, I could tell that you love me. And it just shocked me because I didn't treat him any better than I treated any of the others, but I refused to accept the fact that this is who he was. I didn't want to accept that. And through prayer and counseling with the pastor and us just keeping him focused, um, this young man is now in one of our boarding schools and is excelling and is talking about becoming a minister. Amen. And that just seems to be the, the thing that if we continue to love them in spite of it and not just kick them out for um, what we consider poor behavior. What if Christ right. kicked us out good, for good, everything good, good. we did? I don't want to cut any of you short. And Mr. Bradley, I know you have a ton of examples, but I'm going to, we only, we've got only about six, seven minutes. So let me get right at another essential point. I know you could give us lots of illustrations of students who, how many years have you been teaching in? Uh, over 30 years. Over 30 years. Surely they are there. But listen, I want to get to another essential. What people say is, it costs so much to send our children to church school. Right. Here's the problem. I know all this is right, 
you have the Bible as the foundation of education. The Bible, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is not just another subject in church education, church school education. The Bible is the foundation from which all subjects spring. You don't have the Bible and math and history and language. You've got the Bible and all these others come from it. And that's the big difference in Christian education and nominal education, regular education. But sir, people tell me all the time, Pastor, it costs much. It costs so much. Now here we have the temple plan. We do 40% and that helps. But people say still it's a sacrifice. What have you got to say about that? How do you help people who talk like that? Uh, you can't put a price on a person's soul. They're worth all heaven. Christ left all heaven and left everything to come and redeem you and I. And while not every student that goes through our schools is saved, but it certainly increases their chances a huge amount with that constant exposure to Christ, to Christianity, that they will make Christ the center of their lives. And I don't care what the sacrifice that we have to make, it is minimal compared to the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And we can't part with a little bit of our money 